Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, my guest is Miguel LeBron. Now, Miguel LeBron is an amazing speaker. He's a personal growth strategist, and he has an experience as a keynote speaker for about 20 years. He's worked with multiple nonprofit organizations. He has a powerful community organizer base, and he's a leader known for practical strategies, empowering personal and professional growth. Miguel is also CEO of Miguel LeBron Coaching, LLC, and the host of Strategy Rewind, a podcast that focuses on the mindset and strategies for a breakthrough moment. Miguel is also an emotionally intelligent father, husband, leader, mentor, and keynote speaker. Now, in the interview with Miguel, we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things that we talked about is that it is okay to have a relationship with God and not have a routine. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Miguel. Hello, Miguel. How are you doing today? I'm well, and yourself? I am doing amazing. Thank you for asking. And thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, I have some questions I'm going to ask you, and I ask everyone these questions, but I just love how it ends up differently for everyone. So question number one, what was your childhood like? My childhood, I come from a home where my mother and my father divorced by the time I was two years old, my mother would later remarry. And my father, because of addiction, was in and out of my life. Okay. Because of this, uh, it was a imaginary childhood. It was packed with imagination. Right. And uh, that, that was because, well, the reality of things maybe weren't as glamorous as I would have liked to. And so the individuals that I watched on TV the Corey Matthews and Boy Meets World and Power Rangers all filled this idea of a better tomorrow as opposed to what I was viewing around me. Oh, wow. It's, it's interesting that you say you had like an imaginary childhood because you weren't really happy with the way things were going. So you're just like, okay, let me just make this up. And I think a lot of kids do that, you know, either they'll have like imaginary friends or, you know, something just to make it, you know, better. And I just think that's our survival instinct working to try to make things better for us. So while this was happening, did you guys go to church? Did you have any knowledge about God or anything? Yeah, so my mother and my mother's side of the family is very religious. Okay. They uh, were all Christians, and they were very much, 
you had to be at church on Sunday. You had to be on church every single day. And so there was that aspect. My father's side of the family wasn't massively religious, although it's my understanding that some of them practiced the Catholic faith. So as a child, my mother would take us to church, but in our early teens, she essentially said, you, you guys know enough where you can make yeah. a decision. And she allowed us to decide if we wanted to go to church or not. My stepfather, he was not a man who would go to church. And so uh, we would often stay home, my older brother and I. In fact, to be honest, there were days where we knew it was prayer service. We didn't want to go. And so my brother and I would pray that our stepfather wouldn't go so we could stay home. And that was our prayer. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least you were praying about something. So, <laughs> no, it's hilarious because my kids sometimes pray the same thing like, God, please help us, you know, mom not to make it to this or whatever. But I right. mean, I think it's good that your mom gave you a choice because as a mother of teenagers myself, it is like you can try to force them to do mm-hmm. things. And I know even when I was a teenager, once you get past a certain age, it's like, yeah, you can force someone, they can go, but like, are they listening? Are they hearing anything? Like, right. what is going on? So it's like, it's funny, your mom's like, you know what, you guys just decide what you want to do, and we'll go with that. So since you decided, okay, maybe church is not for me all the time, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So did you guys still talk to God? Did anything from your childhood kind of resonate with you about God that kind of kept you interested in him as a teenager? Yeah, so certainly prayer was a big part of our bedtime routine. And so even though there were moments where I didn't go to church, that was a massive part of my life. And I remember at the age of 14, I made a decision to go live with my father. As I mentioned, he was in and out of my life, so I had never lived with him. And so I made that decision. But I can remember... Uh, It being such a chaotic time that I would pray in the mornings and pray as I walked to school. Because even at that age, my father still had an addiction issue. And the responsibility of having to raise a 14-year-old son and having to deal with all of the economic responsibilities that come with that were a lot. And uh, that drove him to make some decisions that, well, were old habits, if you will. And and so it was in that environment where I still maintained a prayer at the very least. I wasn't going to a church or anything like that, but I, I would at least just pray and say, God, listen, if, if you got if you got two seconds for me and you can hear me today, let me just tell you what's going on. And so I would maintain at, at the very least a prayer life in some sense. I think that's good though, because as long as you're talking to God, I think that's what matters, you know? Mm -hmm. And from what you're saying, it seemed like it really helped you get through those difficult years when your dad was still struggling with drugs. Did he ever get off of drugs? Like what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, so I was living with him for almost a year and my mother at this point, she had moved to Puerto Rico. My mother's originally from Puerto Rico, but she actually ended up buying her childhood home. And so she returned back to Puerto Rico with my siblings and my stepfather, and I made the decision of living with my dad. But eventually it got really bad, and my mother somehow found out and said, hey, I know things aren't going well, and you can you can either get on a plane and come to Puerto Rico, or I can get on a plane and come drag you to Puerto Rico. And, <laughs> and so I decided I'd get on a plane myself. <laughs> and when I got uh, to Puerto Rico shortly thereafter, 
within the year, by the time I was 15 years old, I was I started going to church and started building my relationship. In that time period, my father ended up going to jail because of possession. And it was in jail where he found the Lord. So uh, just kind of, I guess, spoiler alert in his story is that he actually is currently a bishop and he serves as a church leader. So he massively turned his life around. He's been married for actually just celebrated his 15th year married. He's working on his doctorates. I mean, it's a total, total 180. That is amazing. I'm happy to have a happy ending for you guys. I really am because that is awesome how he was able to find God while he was in prison. And you were able to find God almost during the same time period, only you were in Puerto Rico. I think yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an amazing story. And, and, you know, through that, we still, you know, oftentimes individuals say, well, I came to Christ or I accepted the Lord and, and my life turned around. And right. there are these, these moments where a massive turnarounds, but that doesn't remove the responsibility of some of the building that you have to do right. and some of the work that you have to do. So despite the fact that he had his coming to Jesus moment and I had my coming to Jesus moment, there was still a lot of brokenness in that relationship. There was still a lot of unresolved emotion and conversations we had not had. And so it was actually when my mother passed away several years ago that through that, we actually sat down and had a conversation. And I was very honest with him and very transparent. And I said to him, you know, when my mother was in the hospital and she passed away because of cancer, my mother was in the hospital. Yeah. So when my mother was in the hospital, I had a chance to be there with her. And I was, I literally put my whole life on pause. Like I spoke to my wife and my my friends and family said, yo, you're not going to see me. I'm going to be in the hospital uh, for as long as I can. And I, and I was there for a very long time with her. And when my mother passed away, ultimately I went to my father and I said, I don't know if I would do the same thing for you. I I don't know if I would put my life on pause for you the way I did for her. And that, that didn't sit well with me because I would, I want to be able to do that for my parents. I want to be able to honor them uh, even until their, their last breath. And so it didn't sit well with me, but it led to a conversation where he was able to bring some insight into his life details that I did not know, such as the fact that he was an adopted child. I did not know that. I did not know he didn't come to find out who his dad was till later in life. And so those are things that it's like, well, it happened when you were a kid, let it go. But you don't realize that as you enter into parenthood, as you enter into marriage, as you enter into these different facets of life, you, you kind of start feeling these things bubble up and you realize, oh, it's these unresolved things of, of with my family, these unresolved things with my dad, these unresolved things of my childhood. And so that that was happening to me and it was very much happening to him. And so we were able to, again, through a difficult time, but we were able to come together and have an honest conversation, which oftentimes it's very difficult for a parent to be honest and just say, hey, here's, I know I dropped the ball. And he was able to say that. I know I dropped the ball. And this is, you know, wasn't an excuse. It wasn't even a reason. It was just, here's the backstory of why the decisions I made, while at the moment may have seemed correct, ultimately were not. And so, yeah, we were able to rebuild. And so I say that because it's important to note for the listeners and for those who are connected right now that just because you came to Jesus, just because you came to the Lord, just because you repented, it doesn't mean that you're going to turn around and everything is gumdrops and rainbows. You still got some work to do. You, you, you still have to be responsible in rebuilding these relationships and in ensuring that you're checking in with yourself emotionally. 
I love that because it's so true. Because like you said, people do think once you come to God, everything is good. And I mean, it can be good because you still have God to depend on and lean on. He can help you. But a lot of times, I guess we don't realize a lot of people go through childhood trauma. And it's like you said, it's not something you can just get rid of. It's something that you have to work through. You have to acknowledge it's there and recognize it. And I know like in many cultures, um, that acknowledgement is not encouraged. It's just like, what happened when you're a kid? Or, you know, let bygones be good bygones. Or what happens when your family stays in your family? And it's not like that because, like you said, it's like hurt doesn't go away. It may stay dormant for a minute and it may be able to do that. But once you start to get older and you have kids and you go through different life stages, it comes to the forefront eventually. And I think everyone's going to have to deal with these childhood traumas that they may have had, even though they've come to Christ because Mm -hmm. this is part of what happens and being a Christian doesn't mean you're immune from anything. It doesn't mean that you can forget about stuff. It just means you are human. You go through the same things everyone else does. You just have God to help you get through it. So I like (laughs) the fact that you brought that up because that is the common misconception. I would say that people do have Mm -hmm. about Christians and coming to Christ and how everything is great and everything like that. So I'm glad you went into detail about some of the things that you went through. So people can know that, yeah, you still might struggle with things that happened in the past because that is life. This is just what happens because we live mm-hmm. in this world. Right, right, exactly. And and so, you know, it's 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 as you mentioned, it's a misconception, unfortunately. The the idea of coming to Christ, the idea of accepting him as our Lord and Savior is one that calls for a high moral standing. And it's not my uh, morality. I'm not the I'm not the lawgiver. <laughs> I'm just trying to submit myself to his to his law, and I'm trying to submit and hold myself to to his morality through the strength that he gives. And so that doesn't mean it's going to be any easier. If anything, and even biblically we see this, it, it can actually be even further challenging because if you're living a life where well you're your God, you do whatever you want to do, you govern your steps. Well, then there's a there's a level of liberty there in which you can, well, you know, they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them back. But but actually being in Christ, he says, well, no, he says, love your neighbor. And then he goes a little yeah. further. He says, and love your enemy. And then he goes a little further and pray for your enemy. Now, wait a minute. You want me to love them and pray for them? I guess it's, it's enough for me to pray for them, but you want me to love on them, too. And, and so that that's a level of challenge where, again, me having having those moments where I had to resolve the feeling that I had towards my dad, it was like, man, I don't know if I love him the way I should love him and, and the way that I wanted to love him. And so there's a resolve there. And and so prayerfully, I considered, okay, wh- what what are the next steps? And prayerfully, it wasn't like, you know, oh, I felt this and then tomorrow I called them up. It wasn't that. It right. Literally, the steps were that I felt what I felt. I wrote them down and I, I, I sat with these feelings and then I sent them an email. That's the way I initi- initiated the conversation. And I sent him an email not knowing when he would reply, if he even would. Right. And he did reply a couple of days later. When he replied, it began the, the process of saying, OK, let's let's sit down and let's talk. And in our first conversation, it was literally saying, OK, there is no expectations. Whatever happens from here, it's from this point forward. And, and that just takes a lot of vulnerability, 
a lot of humility on both parts and you say, well, yeah, it's because you're Christian. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I'm a Christian. <laughs> it's just because I don't want to live a hurt life. And I especially don't want to live a hurt life in Christ Jesus when he offers peace. And how can I take advantage of that peace if I refuse to acknowledge the very things that are causing pain? I refuse to acknowledge the very things that are hindering me. So, yeah, the misconception of it's going to be a piece of cake because you're a Christian, that ain't it. If anything, again, it's a level of challenge because you're you're saying, I, I'm going to live out the way he wants me to live. And, and the gold standard here is not the pastor. The gold standard is not the bishop. The gold standard is not mommy and daddy. The gold standard is Jesus. And, you know, when we look at Jesus, he was beaten, battered, abused, rejected, neglected, spat on. His beard was pulled out. He was whipped. He was, I mean, you know, all these things. And yet at the end, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's like, oh, man, that's the gold standard here. That's that's the level of humility that we're called upon. It's like, well, it's a piece of cake. Uh, Yes, again, it is not a piece of cake. (laughs) No, that is true. That used to get me all the time because I know. I used to pray for my enemies, but let's just say they were like those mm-hmm. David kind of prayers, like mm-hmm. let this happen to them and may their life be right. horrible. You know, I used to pray <laughs> those kind of prayers. But then, you know, once you start reading about Jesus and when he was like, you know, he prayed for them, even though he said, mm-hmm. you know, when he was dying and everything, you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, so I guess David prayers aren't what I should be praying at yeah, this point yeah. in time. It's like, you really have to examine yourself and be like, wow. It, but And you know, the thing I like about that though is like, even though it seems like it's a difficult thing to do and it's a hard thing to do, it's like the more we are connected to God and the more we talk to him and pray and do all of these things, then the easier mm-hmm. it becomes. And it's like, you don't realize it. it's just like one day somebody may say something and you don't snap, <laughs> you know, one day right. maybe your kid does something and you're just like, I'm just going to pray for them. I'm not going to say anything. You know, it just mm-hmm. happens gradually, but it happens because not because you're willing yourself to do it, but because you're getting closer to God and he's enabling us to do these things that really we aren't able to do on our own. Right, right. You know, there's a scripture that says all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And so my, my prayer in those difficult times is always, you know, Lord, your word says all things work together for good. Show me the good. And, and, you know, to me, that's a simple, effective prayer. Oftentimes we think we need these drawn out prayers. It's like, no, God, your word says all things work together for good. Show me the good in this. It'd be easy for me to get frustrated, irritated, overwhelmed, bothered. And it doesn't mean I don't feel those things. It just means that I'm able to pause and say, okay, show me the good in this because I'm not seeing it. Show me the good in it. That is so true. So let me ask you a question. When did it come to a point for you when you realized that having a relationship with God was more important than all of the other religious things that we're told we need to do? When did you get to that point where you're like, I need to talk to him. I need to spend time with God. You know, I really need to develop a relationship with him. What happened to make you realize that? Yeah. So when I accepted the Lord at the age of 15, you know, I moved to Puerto Rico. I'm there for a few months and then I accept the Lord. And when I accept the Lord, I got heavily plugged into a local church. I was plugged into the youth group and it was, it almost became the way where it was just, okay, all my friends are going to church. So I'm going to church. All my friends are praying. I'm praying. They're all reading. I'm reading. And then we began to challenge each other with verses and, and it was a healthy challenge. It wasn't a, a, you know, something malicious. It was just, okay, can you memorize verses? Can you, can you read? Can you pray? Can you, can you preach? Can you teach, et cetera? And so it was very 
it was very good and very helpful. But th for me, the religious factor became, and I did not realize it in the moment, but rather as I, as I grew older, the religious factor became that I was feeling obligated as though I needed to pray an hour. So it's like, mm -hmm. if I don't pray an hour, I'm failing in my relationship. Right. If I don't read once a day, I'm failing in my relationship. And and eventually it was no longer for the joy of being in the Lord. It was no longer for the joy of knowing that when I pray, I'm talking to God. And when I read, he's talking to me. It was no longer for that joy. It was more of, here's the, the to-do list and I have to just do it. It wasn't, it wasn't until... It wasn't until I had gotten married and my first daughter was born that that really did a lot in my life because I wasn't able to read as much as I wanted to. I wasn't able right. to pray as much as I wanted to. At that point, we were living in a be one bedroom apartment. My wife and I, we were both working and we had this newborn who, if you know anything about newborns, newborns don't care when you think it's time to go to bed no, <laughs> and they don't care when you think it's time to read or time. They don't care nothing about your life. And so it, that really just flipped everything upside down for me because in the moments that I was like, I need to pray now, it was like, well, find comfort where you can in knowing in that God is here. And so, you know, I was still going to church, still involved in the church, but my, my routine, so to speak, was really challenged in the way that I served, in the way that I had my personal devotion. And, and those were the first those were the first building blocks for me to realize, okay, I can still call out to God. I can still pray. You know, the Bible says pray without ceasing, which yeah. is pray without stopping. And so you say, okay, well, how do I pray without stopping? I got other things to do. And, and the idea here is that you can pray sitting down, laying down, taking a shower, doing your dishes, mm -hmm. watching your kids, driving to work, uh, any, uh, you name the activity and you can still pray. Uh, you, you know, we all sometimes get caught into multitasking. And some of our jobs actually demand us to be able to multitask. Absolutely. And so it's like, well, why can't we do that in prayer? Why can't we be driving to work and meditating in God's word and listening to the Bible audibly, you know, and, and really those were the building blocks for me that changed my, my view of this is something I have to do as to this is something I want to do. And initially, obviously, initially I started with this was something I wanted to do. It was along the way where it became part of a checkbox where it's like, I have to pray in order to ensure my salvation. And it's like, that that ain't it. I'm, I'm saved in Christ Jesus through grace, not by any works that I could do so that no one could boast. And so it may be that today I pray an hour. Fantastic. And it may be that tomorrow, for some reason or another, I only prayed 15. God loves me regardless. And yeah. and I think that's the best understanding that we can come up with, that God loves you. And of course, the, the question is always, well, why does he love me? And he loves you because, period. If there is a reason behind the love, then it isn't true love. Like as a married man, if I tell my wife, I love you because you have beautiful eyes. Well, what happens the moment she doesn't have beautiful eyes? Yeah. You know, I, I love you because you cook great. Well, do you love her when she burns the food? Like, you know, the, this love cannot be based upon something else because the day that isn't done. And so when we look at the love that God has towards us, he loves us because period, that's it. He just loves us. He chose to love us. And to me, coming to that understanding, oh, okay, wait a minute. God loves me, period. Yeah. Well, then, okay, I prayed an hour. 
Fantastic. I'm going to keep trying to pray that hour. But even if I don't pray that hour, that doesn't change our relationship because, you know, if we're friends, there are moments where we talk on the phone and it may be that sometimes we talk one hour and sometimes we talk 15 minutes and that doesn't change our relationship. It just, it just is that moment. And so those are the beginning parts for me that really allowed me to come to a better understanding of, okay, it isn't about what I can do because there's, that's religion. Religion is when I can do things to try to reach God, but in relationship and in Christianity, it's what God does to reach me. That's why we open Genesis 1-1 and he says, in the beginning, God created. And we say, okay, that's great. No, 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 wait a minute. Don't overlook the fact that it is God introducing himself as the creator. I don't know who the beginning was, but God was there and he was the one making it happen. And that's very important because in relationship and in Christianity, it's God is the one who decided to save me. God is the one who decided to love me. God is the one that decided to rescue me. And and all I can do is in gratitude, just serve him and just worship him and just be in a relationship with him. And so if I'm able to pray a, an hour, fantastic. If I'm able to pray 30 minutes, great. But I understand that it's pray without stopping, meaning I can do it at any given moment. I like that because I know that for me, it was the text when it said Enoch walk with God. And I was just like, how's he going to do that? Like, I'm sure he had a job. I mean, I know back in the Bible days, but I knew he had other things he was doing because he said he had kids. So -hmm. then that's when it made me realize, I was like, wait, so if he walked with God, so apparently God was with him while he was doing all the stuff he was doing. So that kind of led me to your conclusion, like, okay, so if I pray an hour today, awesome. But I'm also a parent, so I understand there are days where I get up super early to try to have devotion while it's quiet. But then my daughter, who's a teenager, she'll get up and she want to snuggle and talk to me. And I'm just like, okay. But it's fine because I know that I can, like, say, you could talk in the car. I can talk to him while I'm at work. I can talk to him when I'm doing dishes. It's like I can talk to him anytime. Mm-hmm. So it's not like if I miss my time to talk right now, then I'll never have, to, you know, I, I don't have my time to talk to God. Like, no, I can talk to right. him anytime, all the time. It's amazing how sometimes when I am doing dishes and I have my headphones on and I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a sermon or I'm just praying, it's like it has the same effect as if I'm still sitting up early in the morning and having devotion. And there are many times where I fall asleep doing devotion because it's four o'clock in the morning. But the mm-hmm. fact that I can talk to God anytime, it helps out so much just to have that realization that, okay, so I don't have to be so rigid and so formal because I'm not rigid and formal with my friends. It's like you can be relaxed. You can actually right. be yourself and still have a relationship with God. And I think that is telling. And I think that's an awesome conclusion that you were able to come to when you had your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's this moment where there's this moment where Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. It's a difficult moment and his disciples are there with him. And of course, Jesus kind of goes a little further than them in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to the father and he's saying, Lord, if it be, if it be possible, pass from me this cup, nevertheless, let it not be my will, but rather yours. And Jesus finishes his prayer. And when he goes to see the disciples, the disciples are all sleeping. And Jesus calls them out and he says, you can't even pray an hour. And oftentimes people translate that to mean Jesus is asking them to pray 60 minutes. And I don't believe that that's what he's saying. I think this is the most difficult hour, the most difficult time. And you can't even pray in this difficult time. I think that's what Jesus is saying when he says to them, you can't even pray the hour. What hour? The difficult hour, the moment of challenge, the moment of tribulation, the moment of sorrow that is upon us. You can't even pray this hour. 
that I think that's the call that Jesus is making as opposed to 60 minutes. Because really, 60 minutes doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. If one day for the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand is like a day, what is 60 minutes? Irrelevant. But this is the most difficult time in your life and you can't even call out to the Lord. I think that's the call he's making. No, I agree with you. I think sometimes what we do with the Bible, I think what we do is like, we'll hear how maybe it was meant for like a certain situation. And then we'll just take it like, okay, so that just means that's what I have to do in all my situations. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. That was specific to that situation that they were Mm -hmm. dealing with. And I do believe that God talks to us in our own individual way. And he has things he tells us in our own situation. So I don't think that we would, we should take you know, what David may have done or something. If God didn't tell you to do what David did, then don't do that. It's probably mm-hmm. not what he's calling right. you to do. You probably need to do something else. But these are just stories about how God intervened in their lives and things he did for them. But it doesn't necessarily mean this is the standard of how God's going to answer your prayers or what he's going to do or what we have to do. I think that it's stories about what happened in the Bible. It talks about how God was there with people, how he helped them in different situations, just to let us know, okay, he's going to help us in our situation. It doesn't mean that the answer is going to be the same or we're going to do the same thing, but it lets you know that God was there for them. He's going to be there for us. So I appreciate you pointing out that just because mm-hmm. he was talking about the 60 minutes, it didn't necessarily mean it was an hour. It just meant, like you said, in that hour, in that time right? that and, and- you couldn't pray. And when you look at consistently through the scripture, the, the scripture talks about, well, the hour is coming, the hour yes, is nigh, yes, yes. the hour of the Lord. And that isn't related to 60 minutes. Right. It's always related to a specific moment and an event that is taking place. And that's why when I look at that scripture and, and I look at Jesus saying to them, you can't even pray this hour. What, what hour are you referring to, Jesus? This most difficult hour, this most trying hour. And of course, the interesting thing is what happens next, where what happens next is that these soldiers come to take Jesus and Peter tries to bring out his sword. It's like, okay, you couldn't pray, but you're ready to fight. And that's an issue in our life where it's like, instead of resorting into prayer, we resort into fighting. We resort in trying to do it ourselves. It's like, no, this difficult hour is not an hour that you're going to be able to surpass by arguing and battling and pulling out a sword. It's going to require some spiritual warfare. It's going to require you to actually go in spiritually. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you a question. If there was someone out there who's actively looking for God, what advice would you give them? Yeah. So if you're saying actively looking for God, the first thing I would say is you got to get plugged into a community. I know many times and we live in this world, in this age of spirituality where individuals say, well, I have my own relationship with God. You can want to have a relationship with God, but there's a specific way that that relationship has to take place. You know, in, in my job, there's a bunch of employees that come in. We all have our distinct responsibilities, but at the end of the day, if you don't clock in, you don't get paid. And I only use that as an illustration to say, I cannot tell my boss, I cannot tell my manager, I cannot tell my supervisor, don't worry, I work my own way. No, no that's that not how that works. In no other instance does that work that way. And so in our relationship with God, for that individual who's actively looking, get plugged into a community and understand that you have something called free will, which means you have the liberty to make a choice. So if you go to church A and you're like, I don't feel this church. Okay, great. Go to another church. 
Talk to your friends that do go to church. Join a Facebook group of people that do have a community because by getting plugged into a community, you can surround yourself with people that actually are looking for the kingdom of God. And then you can begin to nourish this desire. Okay, how do I pray? Well, the people around you are going to help you how to learn how to pray. People around you are going to help you learn how to read the Bible, how to decipher what the scripture is saying. The people around you within that community. So, you know, I would say first thing, look for a place, look for a place. And uh, and that's going to be a, a great way to get started. That is awesome. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. I enjoy everything that you're saying, especially when you talk about the Bible and how, you know, the different meanings and how sometimes we don't actually look at it for what it's meant to say. But thank you so much for being a guest. I truly enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. Thank you for those who are connected. Thank you for allowing me to be part of the podcast definitely if anybody wants to hear my podcast or even read my content they can head over to miguellebron.com and there you can find all the details of what i'm doing awesome and we'll also have his information in the show notes guys so all you have to do is click on the links and you'll be good i absolutely love this interview with miguel my favorite part of the interview was when miguel talks about how he had a routine with god but how his routine was thrown out of whack when he became a father and he could no longer spend as much scheduled time with God like he did before the birth of his daughter. I find it to be so inspiring how it was during that time he realized that having a relationship with God was more important than a routine. So if you are struggling with trying to develop a routine with God, I want you to remember that you can talk to God anytime, anywhere. You can talk to God day. You can talk to God at night. You can talk to God when it's quiet in your home, when you're shopping in the store, when you're doing dishes, when you're cleaning out your car. The important thing to remember here is that God wants you to talk to him and that as long as you are talking with God, you are connecting with God. This week, I want to encourage you to spend more time talking with God and spend less time trying to come up with a routine for spending time with God. The song we're going to listen to today is called Free, and it is the single from our Artist of the Week, Suave Colion. Yo. Yeah. Free. Talking about that word, you know what I mean? Revelation. Hey, that's one of the clearest things, you know what I mean? With a feeling to be released, and the confines of false obligations, and they say it's interrogations. John 1 and 3, trying to faith, work of patience, freedom from the confines of situations, grace experience joy, real joy, that's not obstructed or compromised, biblical authenticity before the retail of enterprise, free the bomber's expiration, like a starship enterprise, so we sell everything they own, with no limits of ethics, for their bitches to monetize, this is celebration of freedom, even from the bloodline curses, sins of our fathers and our mother's lies, we could've been burned, broken and traumatized, Victims of the statistics, media advertised, but thank God I'm free, yeah. Thank God that I'm free, yeah. Thank God I'm free, yeah. Once we fire, but now I'm free, yeah. Thank God I'm free, yeah. I'm just grateful that I'm free, yeah. My life is now free, yeah. You always got to like being free, yeah. God I'm free, yeah. Once we fire, but now I'm free, Free, I see some days going free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free, 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 yeah, yeah.
Presented in the high fashion. Honestly, feel the world's at the ask. And specifically, arts and entertainment mountains of influence. Could have countless DUIs. When I was under the influence of controlled substance. To now deliver a sound with a controlled substance. Gotta celebrate our freedom. We emerge from the ruins with the stacked odds. With nothing given. Smaller summer to me is gigantic. Thus, I'm off the boat. Walk the water like the Pacific or Atlantic. In the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Miguel, Suave Coleone, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes, and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.